God, thank you for your presence. God, would you speak to us this morning in our homes, in our living rooms? God, here in this room, Lord, we look to you. We need you. Thank you for your goodness. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning. So glad that you could join us today. And if you're joining us from your home and your living room, we're so glad that you're here with us live this morning. I hope that God does something significant in your life as we continue through the book of Acts where you're at. And I'm also very pleased that we get to be here together. How awesome is this that here we are back in a church building, which is awesome. Worshiping God, it's... An amazing time, so I'm glad. I also understand that for some people, it is right for them to stay home right now. And, and for some of us, that is a difficult thing to grasp because we wish that we were further ahead in this process than we are, but we're not. And so we're trying to stay in step and in pace with what God is doing. And we're also trying to respect and give grace to those who may think different than us, but also give grace and and for those people who legitimately do need to stay home because this virus is real and can affect them. So anyways, I'm just glad you're here. And I'm glad to be on the stage versus being on a truck flatbed or on top of a grassy knoll. As fun as that is, it, there's something about being in community together in this type of space where we can see one another. And it's an amazing thing. But I also don't want to downplay the movement of God that can take place even when we're not in a room together. That for most of the world, they don't get to do this. Most of the world, they're doing exactly what you're doing at home. They're huddled together with a few people. And whether they have the Bible, maybe they don't have the Bible. And they're trying to navigate what is God doing in my life in this small space. So those of you who are at home, that doesn't mean that God can't work as powerfully in your life as that he might work in this context here. This is one specific context in how God works and how the church gathers. And so those who are at home, God will still move powerfully in your life. It's something new that you might be adjusting to, but that's okay. That's why we are here together. Anyways, I assume why you're here and I assume why you are watching this morning is that you want to join with what God is doing in your own life. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about how to join with what God is doing. And that's probably, like I said, why you're here. A lot of people don't understand what God is doing. They might not be Christians or they might be new Christians and they're trying to really figure that out. They don't get it. Why do people go to church? What, what is God doing? I'm not really sure. You know, I had from an early age a desire to understand what is God doing. And I always wanted to join him in what he's doing. And I wanted to follow God. I wanted to worship God. And more than likely, that's why you're here. You're wanting to join with what God is doing. So how do you join with what God is doing? Usually, we want to join with what, uh, we, usually we want God to join with what we're doing. But the Bible is clear. It says that the invitation is for us to join 
him. But a lot of times our prayers are self-focused, aren't they? Like, bless me, bless my career, bless my family, bless my finances. It's me focused and Lord, join in with what I'm doing here in my life and it would be better for me and everyone around me. But honestly, God doesn't wanna join you in your mess. He wants us to join him and experience his peace. So we've been going through the book of Acts, and a lot of what we see in the book of Acts is super applicable to what we're going through right now. And so up until this point, we see that the, as Jesus ascended into heaven and the early church began to spread, what took place is a lot of Jewish believers, or a lot of Jewish people became believers in the faith. And we saw some amazing works take place all the way through Acts 1 through Acts 10. And so as we land here on Acts 11, it's kind of a continuation of Acts chapter 10, which in Acts chapter 10, what happens is there was a Roman centurion who lived in Caesarea. And while he was there, he had a vision that he should go and ask for Peter. Peter also had a vision uh, that was this unique thing that animals came down from heaven. And then he realized that he was going to go to Cornelius, who was in Caesarea, who was this Gentile person. He went there, he spoke to Cornelius, and Cornelius got saved. And Cornelius was one of the first Gentile believers in the New Testament. And so here, then Peter goes back to Joppa, which was the town he was staying. That's where we pick up in Acts chapter 11. And he goes back to tell all the people what just happened. Like, I went to a Gentile guy's home, which in the time was totally not okay. And so he goes back and that's what happened. But as we continue, for those of you who don't know, in the uh, New Testament, all Christians at first were Jews. They were Jewish converts. Jesus was a Jew. His first 12 disciples were Jewish. The first 120 followers were Jewish. The first 5,000 believers were Jewish. And then the, the gospel spread to Hellenistic Jews, which was Jews who didn't speak Hebrew, but they spoke Greek. And then after going to Hellenistic Jews, then it went to Samaritans. And Samaritans were half Jewish people. So the gospel really had not gone out up until Acts chapter 10 uh, of reaching people outside the Jewish context. And one of the key questions that we're going to see happen in Acts 11 and moving forward all the way through Acts 15 or 16 is, can a person follow Jesus and not be a convert to Jew or Judaism and not be a Jewish person? That's one of the key questions that gets asked. So here's what happens in Acts chapter 11, starting in verse 1. It says, Soon the news reached the apostles and the other believers in Judea that the Gentiles had received the word of God. But when Peter arrived back in Jerusalem, the Jewish believers, they criticized him. You entered the home of a Gentile and even ate with him. How could you do? You had food with this Gentile person. This is what took place. So first point for you to remember, and we're going to go through these quick because I was given 20 minutes as a sermon, which is pretty short, and I've already gone through five. So we're going to try and go through this relatively quickly. First thing is to stay flexible. Stay flexible. Many people in our world today grew up in religious homes of varying different kinds. Some of us grew up Catholic. Some of us grew up LDS. Some of us grew up Lutheran or Seventh-day Adventist. Some of us grew up Presbyterian or Baptist. Some of you came from a Calvary, back, uh, Calvary Chapel background or the greatest denomination, Foursquare, right? 
right here. But all of us came from a different religious context growing up. And we had different religious traditions and, and uh, ideas or ideologies of what church should look like, what the gospel should look like, and how the gospel should work. But this gets in the way sometimes of what God wants to do today, right now. We can easily become imprisoned in our past, and we won't allow God to break out in the present, which is right now. A lot of times we put God in a box, and you say, God has always worked this way. This is how church has always looked. This is how God has always worked and moved. And you're not working this way anymore, and I don't like it. I don't know if you've ever felt that way. I definitely have. But God doesn't work in a box. He doesn't work in one specific religious system. Sometimes we kind of need to just like let him out of the box and say, God, you move and you work however you want to, and I'm going to join with what you are doing. So this is a big question that the church had to work through early on. Was, do you have to become Jewish to follow Jesus or not? I don't know. Can we really reach Gentiles? These are the things that they had to work with together, and the apostles had to work through it together, the disciples, the followers. And it's really hard to sometimes figure out God's will on our own, isn't it? And the church figures out this meaning of Peter's dream together. And then the short answer is, is does someone have to become Jewish to follow Jesus? The short answer is no. That's what they figured out. That you know what? The gospel is for all people of all nations, of all races, of all different backgrounds. That's what they ended up figuring out. But we need to also be in community together to figure out what is God doing right now today? What is he doing? That's why our life groups are so important to be with other people, to bounce ideas off of one another and try and figure out what is God doing right now. It's hard to figure out what God is saying. And often what God did in the past can easily become an object that we need to get over in order to God, for God to move in the present or in the future. We need to open ourselves up sometimes and not have a panic attack that church might be a little bit different, right? We even know that, like, look to your left and your right. We're all wearing cloth over our face. Like, this is weird. This is different. For those of you at home, you've done church in your living room for like 10, 11, 12 weeks now. Like, it looks a lot different, doesn't it? And even though it looks different, that doesn't mean that God is not working. And we'll see and why that uh, of that in, uh, as we progress through here. God has all kinds of different looking churches all over the world who worship him, of all different sets of freedoms and rights that they get to work within the confines of or in opposition against. And here we are, and this is what we have. It doesn't inhibit our worship, doesn't inhibit our teaching or preaching of the word, but God might be working and moving differently. So not everyone's excited about what Peter did. Even like these faithful religious apostles, people who may have been firsthand witnesses of Jesus himself. Can you even imagine sitting down with another person of a different race and then being criticized of it? Like how could you have had a meal with this other person of this other race. Can you even imagine that happening today? 
But sadly, you know, America has a very uh, sad religious history in America. The most racially segregated day of the entire week is Sunday. It's Sunday. That for the vast majority of America, how we worship is based upon our ethnicities. People worship together and huddle around together with people of their own cultures, but that is not the call of the gospel. The call of the gospel is to move out and like we talked about last week, accept other people in. It means changing how you do church sometimes. It means changing what uh, your values are. It means changing how you incorporate different songs of worship or preaching or teaching or all this different stuff. That how we allow the gospel to move in our community and for our church to, to be in step with what God is doing. So then here's what happens. Then Peter's like, you're criticizing me. Like, this is weird, right? I, some guy just got saved in his whole family. And now you're criticizing me that this person got filled with the Holy Spirit and he was saved and it was amazing. And so this is what Acts 11, 5 through 7. Then Peter recounts his whole dream to these apostles. Then Peter told them exactly what happened. I was in the town of Joppa, he said. And while I was praying, I went into a trance and saw a vision. Something like a large sheet was let down by its four corners from the sky. And it came right down to me. When I looked inside the sheet, I saw all sorts of tame and wild animals, reptiles and birds. And I heard a voice say, get up, Peter, kill and eat. And then in verses 8, here's what Peter said. No, Lord, I replied, I have never eaten anything like that or, or that our Jewish laws have declared impure or unclean. Here's what Peter is trying to tell these other apostles and leaders and also what happened in his own life. Is that when Peter said no to eating the things that God had deemed clean, and even though he was like, but the Jewish laws have said those were always unclean. This is what he's saying. He's saying that I am more committed to my religion than I am committed to you, God. I'm more committed to my religion than I am to you. And we have said things too based upon that exact same premise. I'm more committed to my religious past or my experiences or what church should look like than God, what you're doing today. We just aren't, don't come, uh, uh, we're not as outright with it as Peter is, right? Peter's like, no, not gonna do that. We're a little more sly, aren't we? Like, I'm going to pray about that. I'm going to pray. I'm going to get back to you. I'm going to talk to people. And we'll pray a little bit. And then we'll see what God says. Like, we're, we're just a little bit more sly, aren't we? Imagine if our kids did that in our homes, right? You're like, son, daughter, clean your room. And they're like, mom, I'm going to pray about that. I'm going to pray if the Lord wants me to obey you. I'm going to pray if, you know, I should clean up. And uh, I'll get back to you. Maybe uh, how's uh, a week from now sound? There would be like fire and brimstone in the home, wouldn't there be? Like there would be gnashing of teeth happening. But we do that too sometimes, that God is saying like, here's something new I want to do. And we go, no, that's, I'm more committed to how my church used to look or my religious experience used to look than God, what you're doing right now. And then Peter says, but the voice from heaven spoke again. Do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. Here is the gospel right here. It doesn't matter how gross you are. doesn't matter what your life looks like. doesn't matter who you are. God loves you. 
And that when you say yes to him, in spite of all your uncleanness and all your, un- and all your grossness, God makes you clean. And he doesn't see you and in how gross you are, but he sees Jesus and the perfection manifested in him. God says, when I declare something clean, it's clean. So stay flexible. How do we stay flexible? Four things really quick. One, learn to serve where you're needed. Right now, it's a very unique time frame. For us, we're trying to redo church in a way that we have never really done church before. While some of it looks the same, a lot of it doesn't look the same. And so for those of you who maybe you have gifts around music or singing or tech uh, or video or things like that, we need your help. For those of you who uh, could have a smiley eyebrow, you know, that people can notice you're being, (laughs) we could use you out in the lobby, right? Like, welcome to church, right? Because you're all covered up. But like, learn to serve where you're needed. It's easy to get stuck in, I've only served this way, and that's the only thing that I will do. Now, young men, here's something for you, okay? Here's someone who wants to get married or someone who wants to stay married, okay? When your wife asks you to serve around the house, you don't say, well, my gifts don't uh, really line up with what you're asking me to do there. I don't really do dishes. I just play the guitar. <laughs> you're not going to stay married very long, are you, when that happens? No. And when I come home, a lot of times my kids, right, they're not like, Mom, I see how, how uh, hard you have worked today and all your endeavors to keep our house so clean and tidy and the sweat from your brow, may I wipe it from you? And how can I help you today in what you're doing around the house? Really, that's how my kids act. A lot of times it looks a little bit different than that. But early on, we understand as we progress through life that, you know what? Sometimes how a house must function, we just all have to chip in and do things. I don't like doing dishes either, right? But I do them. When I serve in my home, the home is better. And the same goes for us with church. When we all serve in our church and we just go, what do you need? How can I help? How can we make what we're doing here even better for other people? How can we use the gospel to reach our community? What can I do? The church functions better. Second, stay flexible. Learn to enjoy the chaos, right? It's a little bit weird. And there comes a day and a time when all churches look back and they say, things used to be awesome this time ago. And if we don't learn to enjoy the chaos and we just want it to be the same exact environment that we've always had forever, then... At one point, you look back and go, oh, remember when it used to be cool? We want to be in step with what God is doing today. Third, stay positive, all right? It's hard right now to be positive. I get it. A lot of times I go home and I complain too. Stay positive. It's much easier to criticize the church than to join the church in what God is doing. We understand that. You know, and our leaders, we don't really know what we're doing, all right? You know, like when you're in a meeting and you just end with let's pray about it, that just means you don't know what to do. And that happens a lot around our church. Like, let's just pray about it. And you're just like, I don't know what to do. Let's pray. We're trying to figure out exactly what God is doing as well. So stay positive. That's what we're trying to do. Like, we don't know. This doesn't look the same. Like, but let's just have fun with it. Let's be positive. Fourth thing, one thing not to be flexible in. Don't be flexible in this. Remain rigid on people's need for Jesus. If there's anything that we don't stay flexible in is we're gonna be rigid on people's need for Jesus. That's why we're here. We're here that people might see Jesus and receive him. Okay, second thing uh, is join what God is doing in the present, not 
the past. Peter says, I didn't want to go to this Gentile guy. I didn't want to go to this house, but God told me so. And everyone got saved and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. So then this is what he says in uh, verse 17, if we jump down. And since God gave these Gentiles the same gifts he gave when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to stand in God's way? When the others heard this, they stopped objecting and began praising God. And they said, we can see that God has also given the Gentiles the privilege of repenting of their sins and receiving eternal life. God is going to move when God wants to move. And our job is to join him and not resist him. It's not always going to look the same way, is it? Church doesn't look the same right now. But that's okay. Because God is still working God is still moving. He has not given up, and he will never give up. Maybe church now isn't the same way that you grew up when you were younger, or maybe church isn't the same that it was in the beginning of March. That's okay. God is still alive and active. Don't expect God to always move how God has always moved in the past. The only thing that will constantly remain the same is Jesus. He, will, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the gospel is alive and well and active. Last thing is God uses suffering for the accomplishment of his purposes. Here's as we jump down to verse 19. Meanwhile, the believers who had been scattered during the persecution after Stephen's death traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch of Syria. They preached the word of God, but only to Jews. However, some of the believers who went to Antioch from Cyprus and Cyrene began preaching to the Gentiles about the Lord Jesus. The power of the Lord was with them, and a large number of these Gentiles believed and turned to the Lord. I love how it says that some people went to Antioch. There was some people. It wasn't the apostles. It wasn't, the, you know, it wasn't Paul or Peter or Barnabas. It was some people. It was some of these Jewish converts who went to Antioch, but then what happened is they were there. Antioch becomes one of the key central, if not the most influential church in the New Testament. Antioch is the church that ends up sending out Paul uh, himself in his missionary endeavors. Antioch begins spreading all over the region because some people said yes to Jesus. These were not more than likely people who had... Um, been trained by Jesus himself. These weren't the 12 or the 120 disciples. These were just some people who went there. And this is how God intends to reach people even today. It's just through some people. That's us going and moving into our communities and uh, having a mindset that the gospel can still spread under persecution and under suffering. That we must embrace our own suffering right now. As little as it is in compared to the rest of the world, we must embrace that. Because suffering is God-ordained a lot of times. That he doesn't just allow suffering, but he ordains suffering for the means of the accomplishment of his great commission. The church in Antioch started because of the persecution of Stephen. And if he would not have been stoned, the gospel would have been stuck in Jerusalem. It would not have been scattered out amongst all the regions. So that means that martyrdom in the church led to multiplication of the church around the region. And that for us a lot of times is a very scary thought because we don't like to think about that. But the truth is 
is that God allows suffering and ordains it to accomplish his purposes in the world and in our city and in our families. We see the gospel spreading not in spite of suffering in the New Testament, but very much because of suffering in Christians' lives in the New Testament. When we look around our world today, we see the, the gospel moving not in spite of the suffering that we see in places like China or Indonesia, but we see it uh, precisely because of suffering of those people in those areas. We are saved from our sin through and by a suffering savior. And so how will this salvation in the gospel spread? It's through other suffering servants. The Bible makes it very clear that I am sending sheep out amongst wolves. He says that, that um, we, should, we'll, we'll, we will suffer as Christ, but we should count it all as joy. God will use our suffering today to accomplish his, accomplish his purposes of tomorrow. So in spite of all the things that we have to go through during this period of time that looks really weird for America, and for some of us, we're suffering emotionally. For some of us, we're suffering mentally. For some of us, we're suffering physically. And for that, I totally realize, and I get. But God is using the suffering that we see right now all over the world for people's hearts and their spirits to perk up, to go, what, what remedy do I have? What hope do I have? God will use our suffering if we allow him to. And even more than that, he will ordain our suffering so that his purposes are accomplished here in Spokane. So how can you right now be used by God? One is ask him, Lord, how do you want to use me? I'm not just going to curl back in the midst of suffering but I'm gonna press in because of suffering. And through suffering, God, I know you have something for our home and for our city and for our nation and for our world. I, I really do believe that this isn't just a coincidental time. And whether it's a conspiracy or not, who cares? because God is alive and well in spite of it. I don't think it is a conspiracy. I think God is using this virus as, as tragic as it is, as much suffering as there is to accomplish what he wants to do in America and around our world. And so we must join with him in that and not resist him because of it. And when we do, I really believe that when we lay our life down, that's where we find it. It's where we look for our life, we lose it. And when we lose our life and we lay it down, we find it. And that's where God wants to move today, is in our suffering. God has something for people in our community and he's going to use some people, you and me, to accomplish that. Would you pray with me? Lord, we wanna be in step with you. God, in spite of the suffering that we're going through, church doesn't look the same. Despite of the death that we see around our nation and around the world, and the heartache from a myriad of other social issues, God, we know that you're at work. We don't wanna turn a blind eye to that. We don't wanna resist 
against the suffering that we feel. God, may we press into that. And may you use our suffering for the accomplishment of your purposes in Spokane, that people might come to know you. Hearts might be changed. Lives might be transformed because of what you're doing right now. God, thank you for who you are. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you for visiting us. We hope you enjoyed your time today. Next week, we will have our services again at 9 and 11 a.m. We look forward to you joining us again.